Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name's Liz, one of your regular hosts, and we're here to talk about Winnipeg Jets win. We're getting close to closing out the year. Always good to beat the Minnesota Wild. Always good to beat the Minnesota Wild. So uh, I'm here, as always. I'm going to be doing the show tomorrow with my regular co-host, Brady. But what's a good episode with Liz without a guest? This is my good friend, Ryan, actually a high school friend of mine. Um, Ryan, tell everyone why you're here, what you do, and uh, what sort of stuff you do in the sports space. Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me here, Liz. I'm a huge Jets fan myself watch every Jets game have for the last decade since they've been back and everything. Um, but yeah, I started this um, sports newsletter called Nosebleed Sports, kind of take a deep dive into the various like sports topics that are big at the time. So a couple weeks ago, um, dove into Shoei Otani's contract, that whole situation. Is he worth it? All the drama surrounding it, heartbreaking that he didn't show up in Toronto. Um, and then yeah, our last one I talked about, inspired by our great new first line of Velarde, um, Scheif and Ehlers. Um, did a little deep dive into the kind of the best lines in hockey and trying to build a team using the best lines. So just different projects like that comes out once a week. It's called uh, Nosebleed Sports. You can check it out at nosebleedsports.beehive.com. And um, yeah, just just a guy who loves sports and loves the Winnipeg Jets and, and likes to put a little bit of content out there. Yeah, so it's a good thing to have people who love the Winnipeg Jets on when uh, when you got a nice win to talk about. It's always fun when you pull in someone who's like an out-of-market guest and you bring them on, your team like destroys them 7 nothing. You're like, hey, aren't you so excited to talk with me and my entirely Winnipeg Jets fan audience about how your team stinks and my team <laughs> rules? So it's always fun to get some in-market uh, people too in. So uh, for those of you who are listening live in the chat, thank you so much for being here. It's always fun to interact with you guys live. So if you have any questions, comments throughout, make sure you're doing those and uh, leaving them in the chat. But uh, we got a lot to talk about in this one um first things first we had a couple friends over we're watching the game and uh we're getting a little bit of nino nino rider flack before the game started um all i can say is ha losers um what were your thoughts on nino nino rider's game tonight and kind of how that third line sort of you know they there were good pieces and their bad pieces to their game and sort of what that line looks like lately yeah so obviously they when they got put together they had a great start and they were great shutting down every other team's best line and then they had a little bit of a stretch where they weren't scoring as much and we kind of saw some talk about maybe should the time break them up try something new um but today they were back to at the start they were fantastic and um led by nino himself just putting his big body in front of the net there sometimes it's pretty simple um banging home a couple goals and should add a hat trick up but was robbed by Marc andre Fleury. but um, um it was great our our friends were yeah tripping nino a little bit and then he went in and scored two nice goals so 
little bit the Swiss Roger Federer of hockey we were saying to him so um, great game for that line they dominated all all game long had the one bad shift to start the third but other than that they were they were fantastic yeah, 100%. And you're right that for the last little bit, like even looking specifically at like their expected goals numbers, their Corsi numbers and stuff like that, like they've definitely fallen off a little bit. And it's something that like personally, okay, we always galaxy brain our thoughts here and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm almost kind of glad that they were slowing down a little bit because they were carrying a lot of the Winnipeg Jets play, not to the same level as Connor Hellbuck, I feel like has carried the Jets for the last little bit, but it was kind of to the point where it was like, people were like, yeah, the Jets are so good. And it's like, a lot of it is just one line. Like, the other lines aren't really pulling together enough, but then the fourth line really started to pick up. Obviously, the first line has been phenomenal the last, you know, seven or eight or whatever games we're at now since they've been put together. And and the Colt Perfetti line, you know, in the nine minutes of ice time they get per game has been, you know, just fine as well. So the fact that that, t- that line has slowed down the way it has and the Jets haven't been losing all of their games is a good sign that this team is as deep as we wanted them to be. So I feel okay about that. But all things considered, what are your thoughts on, you know, after this game, we saw kind of the good and the bad of them. Do you think that it's still the play to keep them together long term? Or what are you kind of thinking? I think with with this group of 12 forwards, if no one, you're not trading in a big name or anything, I'm not, I like keeping them together, I think, and trying it out. Um, I think... There's lots of things you can do, right, and lots of things that don't work perfectly, especially with Kyle Connor comes back. Um, do you want to try him with Nemestikov and Perfetti? Like, I think that would be a good fit. And then probably the smoothest transition there is just to move Ayafalo down to the fourth line. So um, I think I like the line together. Um, I know they had that rough stretch there, but when it seems to matter most, they seem to be at their best. I trust them. You can't say we have many lines over the last few years where you're like, I trust these guys to to get the puck out and get a good clear or win a face-off when you need to win a battle. But these guys consistently have, even if they haven't been dominating the game at times like they, they did at the start when they were put together. So, um, no, I think it's the best third line we've had in a long time. I guess it's our second, technically. But, um, but yeah, no, I I like keep, keeping them together and, and keeping that group. And then mostly just Lowry and, and Niederreiter, I think you got to keep together. And then that Appleton is kind of the placeholder there you can mess around with. But but those two for sure, um, I like keeping together. Yeah, no, I think it, it's interesting that you said that because I actually almost disagree on the if, if they make a trade, that's um, when I keep them together, actually. If, if they don't, then I break them up because Alex Iafalo is not a long-term fix in that uh, top six for me. And Vlad Nemesikov, actually, you know what? No, let's just talk about that second line in general right now because Vlad Nemesikov, I've sort of been... He, he's yo-yoed me a little bit, and I thought that I wasn't going to like him in the top six. I thought he was a fine temporary fix and all those kinds of things, but especially the last couple games, he's been dialed in, hey? Yeah, no, he's been he's been excellent. He... The game is always at his pace. Like he's lots of like cutting back and slowing it down, right? And almost like an east-west player that plays because he's so east-west, it plays a north-south game at his pace. And he's been great with wherever we've put him. I remember when we traded for him last year. I thought this guy—he was on our fourth line when right when we got him. I was like, this guy has a lot more talent than any fourth liner we've had in a long time. Yeah. And he's been. You look at his point totals, right, and it's nothing nothing eye-popping, but he does lots of very good for this hockey team, and um, it, it was excellent again today. And that line was the best it's looked in a long time, too. I thought Cole was great, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of brings me into the piece of the conversation that was kind of the big kicker for me today and what made the Jets look a little bit better. And we'll get into special teams a little bit, because I know we wanted to talk a little bit about that kind of on both sides, on the PK and the PP side, but... I thought there was a little bit of snowballing momentum that actually ended up making the power play look a little bit better today because at 5-on-5, 
the Jets were playing the kind of hockey that is conducive to success on the power play, which was proper offensive zone movement. Now, since the beginning of the season, I have been a big fan of how they've kind of moved the puck out of their own zone. Cole Perfetti, like the second line in particular, I think does a really good job of that. The the whole, what was the Vegas mantra that we used last year, that turning defense into offense or whatever they call like those classic hockey terms um, is something that the Jets have done really well this year um, to the point where it's been so good that we've kind of just ignored the fact that they're so boring in their own offensive zone where they've been able to get so many rush chances and score so many goals in kind of those chaotic situations that their proper structured five-on-five offense hasn't been awesome. Um, And we haven't seen all four lines play good five-on-five offense, in my opinion, consistently at all this season at the same time. Uh, And I thought today there was a lot more kind of even you know go into the compass back to what we were saying more of those east-west passes a little bit as opposed to just the around the perimeter around the perimeter and then finally a shot kind of thing and I thought that that carried over a little bit into the power play but it was really good at five on five in the first period which is where I thought the Jets were the best I thought they had a really strong start to the game but then they got killed by having to play with their special teams That's not a great thing to have to say about your team. You shouldn't, like, the power play should be a momentum builder, at least for free. You don't have to score every time, but you shouldn't finish the power play feeling more dejected than when you started it. And yet we do. What were your thoughts on the power play today in particular? Because we got to see a lot of it. I thought it was a little bit better today. So I think PP1, like, obviously there's some um, personnel questions and where we're putting them on the power play question mark set. Um, It's been a big topic of discussion. Um, but I think overall PP1 is, is overthinking it a little too much. And I thought at times today it was kind of just go back to playing hockey. You got one more player than them. Oh, man, them on the puck. Um, we had that one where we had a couple good chances in front, right? And um, it's almost like they're trying to slow it down too much and think too much. And that's when we see kind of Scheif and Josh is kind of passing it back and forth there, right? And, and not a lot going on. Um, thought Velarde was a lot more involved down low which I think is good he's so good down there right like he's the one guy you can say in his spot that's where he should be on the power play for sure basically and um, the defenseman and yeah, that's it <laughs> yeah yeah so I thought they did a lot a much better job of, of simplifying things today I know they didn't score but um, they still generate a decent amount of chances on the power play um, and I think it, it's it'll be a trending up soon I, I think I um, got to get Scheif to shoot the puck a little more and, and turn his hips to the net and um, I wish he kind of watch, watches what Nick does a little bit, right? He's all, Nick's always going up and down and supporting, and Shife's just kind of facing on the wall. Um, but no, it was better today. Got pucks in that, generate some chances in tight, which is what we want to do. Um, and then PP2, I thought lately, um, has been, they're just, right? They're not thinking very much out there. They're doing, they know what they got on their personnel, right? Like it's not the most talented unit, but they got um, Cole running it on the half wall, and they um, understand they're going to get like 30 to 45 seconds of power play, and they get, they seem to just go out there and play hockey, right? Like, this guy's open, let's go to him and let's move. And um, I thought they, they've they been fairly decent. Well, they're the only one who's been scoring power play goals for us at all. Um, but I I have lots to like with that unit for a PP2. Um, so it's, it's just about those guys figuring it out and just get a couple pucks in the net. And, um, yeah, I thought it was a lot better today. Yeah, and I, I think that with that unit, well, it's I, – I don't know <laughs> – we're not there yet, but you know how last year and the year before the whole thing, it's like your first power play unit is whichever unit Nick Lailers is on. I am so close. I am so close to saying that whatever unit has Cole Perfetti on it is your first unit. Like that's like that, that line. I don't want to, you know, discredit, you know, Alex, I have follow or Neil Pionk or whoever else is on that line. Neil P- or Nino Niederreiter, for example, uh, 
Mike Barner in the chat is saying, I don't know about y'all, but Nino Niederreiter acquisition is the best thing that ever happened to me personally. Um, copyright that, because no one else has ever said those exact words verbatim before. I tweeted that earlier today. He's just making fun of me in the chat. But it doesn't matter who else is on that unit. If Cole Perfetti is there feeding pucks in the right position, and you're outnumbering them, five NHL players against four NHL players, you're going to have better chances. And that's just kind of the way it works. So uh, I think that that unit, um, you know, they, they, they look better then, like, the the discrepancy between how good PP1 looks versus PP2 looks should not be the way it is right now. Like, listen, I don't think PP2 is, like, phenomenal or anything like that, but mm. the first unit is just so bad. Um, but you were saying when we were watching the game, and a lot of people are kind of saying the same thing on Twitter, where it's like, hey, listen, it's so egregious how bad this power play is that it's all we can talk about. And also because a power play is not that difficult to evaluate when you're just watching it. You're like, you can very easily tell when things are going well or when things are going poorly. Um, but a penalty kill is a little bit harder to to evaluate properly. And I, it could be the same thing where it's like, are they getting scored against or not? Um, but the positional structure of a penalty kill is a little bit more difficult because it's so responsive um, to what a power play looks like from the other team and stuff like that. But the Jets' penalty kill hasn't been phenomenal lately. I don't know. Talk about it a little bit. Penalty kill is a hard thing to evaluate, um, for sure. It just seems like, right, You when you have a, your man down, you have a less, less players, you have to kind of think about it for a second, like what you're going to do. But I find the Jets' penalty kill to be super reactive to what the other team is doing. Um, leaving their shape sometimes, choosing weird times to attack, attack the puck versus when they don't um they just seem a little bit confused and out of sorts sometimes and it's almost a bigger concern for me because the power play yeah if you're not scoring um it's not good it doesn't help but a bad penalty kill can kill you especially in the playoffs if right if we have to play the Oilers and McDavid and we take a penalty late or we don't want to think oh this game's over right we gotta we really gotta figure it out and um we still have one of the best goalies in the world so it doesn't have to be Excellent, but it has to have. Um, I don't even like. I can't dissect like one specific problem I'm worried about with it. It just seems to. It's bothering me consistently how it every game it seems like we're giving up. There's at least one power play we're giving up a handful of good chances. Um, the Wild scored their first goal on that today on um, a guy that's wide open back door. Right? How does that happen? How are we all on the strong side of the puck and puck watching there? Um, it can't happen really. Right? So it's. It's about staying in your spot, picking your spots when to be aggressive and um, not puck watching and not being overreactive to what's going on around, remembering that they still have to beat you. Don't beat yourself. Um, and I think it'll be a lot better. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I was, I was kind of thinking out loud earlier, and I would like to see. I don't know where you can find. I'm sure on Money Puck I could throw on some filters and get to know. But I'm curious to know which forwards in particular have the best penalty-killing numbers in the Jets. Because even, like, Adam Lowry, for example, he always plays the top of that diamond. And he, more than anyone is talking when he's out there like you always see him pointing and telling people where to go and stuff like that and I always wonder if that's part of the reactive problem that he's like hey do this because that's what they're gonna do or whatever like that or if he just knows the system that well and is trying to you know get them to to respond to what their structure is supposed to be doing but I don't know I'm very interested to see which individuals on our team 
have those best penalty killing numbers and which ones don't because it's kind of a there's no one who's like an egregious penalty killer to me but we see the same bodies out there pretty frequently even today though like there were so many calls and we'll get into that a little bit um but like Axel Janssen Fialbi played a shift up there and like we we cycle through I guess you know partially because it's David Gustafson is out but uh Lowry Baron Appleton Mesikov like they all they all take shifts up there at the top and it's it's interesting to see um, you know, I think Morgan Barron has had a pretty good showing on the penalty kill over the last little bit. But again, he usually is out there paired with Adam Lowry. So it's very interesting to know kind of which players. So I'm going to have to diagnose that and look into it a little bit more. Um, but the reason we're talking about this so much is because there were a lot of calls today. There like was. that second period, I don't know how much of that was played at five on five, but there were a lot of calls. What did you think of some of those infractions that were called and kind of how the refs chose to manage this game? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I mean, I think going in, they knew it's the Winnipeg Gents against the Minnesota Wild, and they do not like each other, and it could get out of the hand very quickly. Um, but it's, it's those phantom, or not phantom, like there's a little bit of a hook here, a little bit of a trip here, but right, like it's just frustrating because there's no consistency, right? Like, if that was consistent throughout the game, all three periods, then it is what it is. And everyone can look at both sides and be like, that was that was fine. But in the first period, there wasn't much called. And in the second, every little thing gets called. And in the third, it's kind of the same thing again, kind of just a couple trips. And, and those were the two things um, that they called. Meanwhile, there's interference going on all over the ice all the time. Like that Lowry call, I was like, He's racing to the puck. Middleton skates right in front of him, and then the other wild defenders, the closest player to pick it up. Like, so how is that holding on us? Why would he hold him? Um, so yeah, I didn't love the way that this game was refereed. I guess it stayed pretty calm, all things considered. I'm not sure that's going to happen tomorrow. Um, but um, yeah, you hope that's not the way a game is called late in the year and in the playoffs when it, it really matters. Like that Shifley hooking caller. Um, I guess Shifley took two penalties today, but um, you don't want to see those, right? Especially with our our struggling special teams. We want to see at least consistent um, calling and probably on the side of um, not every little thing called. And I thought every little thing was called in the second period at least. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. And like, I don't think that it was like, I don't know. I, I, I've never, ever, ever been the type of person that's like the refs have a conspiracy against my team. Like I'm, I'm, I'm too lazy to try and galaxy brain all those sorts of things. But it just felt the kind of thing where it's like, you know what, listen, take most of those calls, you take a screenshot of the replay of where it's happening. And you're like, okay, yes, by the definition of what I understand to be a hook, this is a hook. However, we care more about consistency than we care about like definitive slash like the definition of a penalty, like making sure you're calling it whatever. 
And that particular iteration of a hook happens 25 times per game. So it's like, why why is this the choice for now? I will say, I didn't feel entirely like... it. I, I didn't get the, the makeup call vibe that I often get from games. Like, it was just like a weird call. So I maybe maybe I should, you know, thank my lucky stars on that because I hate those makeup call like sorts of games where it's like, oh yeah, we knew that one was coming. It's like, I should never know that a penalty is coming until I see the play and I'm like, oh, yep, saw that. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel that. But again, the, the reason that this is a storyline and, and noteworthy is just because of how the special teams have in the last 20 games or whatever been a momentum killer for the Winnipeg Jets. So that's why that first period, you know, all those things that we were talking about earlier about how they were moving the puck really well in the offensive zone and things like that. It's not that that stopped in the second period. They just had less of the opportunity to do so because they don't do it super well on the power play. They obviously can't do it super well on the penalty kill. And there were nine penalties in that. And so, but two of them, we'll nix them out because they didn't end up affecting the game. Um, there was a, maybe a little bit of overlap, but seven times two, 14. Basically, let's go just even take away one. Like 12 minutes, over half of that period, easily, if not quite a bit more, was played on special teams. And that can't be what kills this game for you. And it's we're we're lucky in this one because they, they did a lot of things right. They can, you know, they had some some clutch plays like that. Nina Ryder... Second goal, I don't know, whichever one where he, you know, just pulled and poked and was in the right spot up front. Like, th- that's good because you need to score goals because otherwise if they hadn't, you know, potted those at those key times, like last game when they couldn't pot those goals at those key times, um, this is a type of game that could get ruined for you by the fact that you're killing your own momentum on the special teams. Um, do you have anything more to add on that, on the special teams or anything like that? I think with, in today's game context, what do the Jets do so well, right? Like, they're a very good defensive five-on-five team. And you look at the numbers, same thing again today. Gave up almost nothing. And what they do, and I don't agree with lots of things Kevin Sawyer says, but it's that kind of like carrying over shifts. And you can't do that when the penalties are getting killed all the time. We can't go from a good third-line shift with a Lowry line, got some tired wild on a long change in the second period, and then get the Shifley and Ehlers line out there, right, with tired legs. It's hard to build on that, so... It becomes really hard to score goals the way the Jets score goals. Like, that's what they do, right? They kind of physically impose themselves and just keep working and attacking. Um, But when it's broken up by penalties all the time, that makes it a lot tougher. So that's a good point. Like, with the second Niederreiter goal to go up 3-0, that's why it's so big. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have many opportunities for the Jets to really impose the strength of their game otherwise. Um, and, And they didn't until the third period again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think beyond that, like the goals, like a lot of them were just like, Kate, (laughs) we were talking the first goal. I'm sorry. And I hope that it is, you know, a boost for Alex Iapolo. I hope he is proud of that. I hope it helps, you know, build up a little bit of encouragement and momentum in him. That is not a goal in my books. Like that was not like, because, well, when when the second period, or pardon me, the third period started and they started showing Marc-Andre Fleury, we're both like, what the heck? Like none of these goals have been like awful by any means. They're more on the defenders, if anything. You also have a back-to-back tomorrow. Like what is the point of this? It sounds like though that Philip Gustafson is hurt. Um, I don't know to what extent, but um, so that's why the change happened. But that Alex Iafalo goal was just not... I, I, if I were a Minnesota Wild fan, I would not be upset. I wouldn't even be upset with Jared Spurge on that one. That's just such a poor luck play that you can't even, there's not much to even talk about on it. It's just hilarious. And I did see a couple tweets that they're like, it's so nice to have one of those going in the other net, you know, because it often feels like those ones are being scored against you. But uh, we'll take that one when we can get it. Um, also, who 
almost scored at the end there. I they definitely didn't look at it for very long, but I don't know. I thought it was in. Who who would have had that? Nancy Nether. Yeah, there? that was Appleton. Okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't scored in a while either. He could have no, used that one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. So that would have been nice. Maybe he can give him a jacket or something like that, and you yeah. can uh, can consider it to be uh, you know a, a goal for him. But the the AJF goal too. Can we just say Dominic Toninato? Shout out. I would like to give him a special shout out. Um, like that pass in the Axel Janssen Fialbi goal was super nice. That was a cool Perfetti style pass. Um, but he's played the last two games now and hasn't looked like a player that's played 15 AHL games and sat in a press box all year, which is exactly what he is. Any thoughts on, on him before we kind of move to the wild a bit? He looks rejuvenated this year. His legs are, are moving faster than I remember them ever moving before, right? And um, you give a guy a little more quickness and speed, and um, he's obviously fresh, um, and he's been he's been very good, right? You, um, our fourth line scored two goals the last two games on on both good plays from um, Tonato in both games, and um, yeah, he's looked he's looked great, and um, I'm no rush to get Gus back if he's he's not feeling well. Okay, um, right. <laughs> wait wait till everyone's good. We have we yep. have the depth. To, yep. We don't we need the time. rush. We, mm-hmm. we don't need to rush anyone back. Um, we got pieces and and lots of good depth now, and. Um, it's a good feeling, right? You can plug someone in and they, they make an impact. And, um, yeah, it's good for his confidence going forward and um, good for the team as a whole. You don't know what's going to happen down the line or when you might need him again. So, yeah, no, true. I thought he's been very good. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I see a comment in the chat from Jake here that says, uh, stop hurting um, <laughs> Kaprizov, please. Um, and, and Brady says he's paying Ryan Hartman's debt. Uh, we we spoke about both of those things. We're like, remember when Logan Stanley accident or not accidentally, like, actually like very severely injured Kirill Kaprizov and then also when Ryan Hartman did the same to Nikolai Ehlers at absolutely the worst possible time um shout out also to the Minnesota Wild fans in the chat here we appreciate you guys I actually really like Minnesota Wild fans um I cannot say the same about a lot of fan bases um so shout out to you guys but also I hate your team um so this is the first time that we played the Minnesota Wild this year um and you know we can't even say the same as of tomorrow because we're playing in the back-to-back uh they're flying out to Minneapolis I assume sometime tonight um what are your thoughts on this team? Like, obviously, it's been a bit of a weird year for them, firing an actually good NHL coach, which, again, is not a thing I feel like I say very often. Um, bringing in a coach, one of the coaches of all time, in John Hines. Um, and, and you know, just the Central Division in general right now. Like, what are your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild and kind of where, where they're at right now? So, I think the Wild, record-wise, are kind of where they should be at. I feel like they got a little unlucky, right, with the bad goal tending to start the year. Um probably deserved a better record than they had. And then they've gone on this kind of heater, goaltending, shooting. Um, they, lots of things have gone right for them lately. So um, a tough central division, right? Very deep. I don't think anyone expected it to be this good, um, right? Arizona, St. Louis, Minnesota, all all, sol- all have been solid along with the top three. Um, so, no, I haven't watched Wild a ton to have any, any super strong opinions, but I always hate playing against the Wild as a Jets fan. You never know. Even if one team's got a much better record than the other, you know it's going to be a battle and a game either team could very easily win. So um, the Wild looked like the Wild of old again today. Um, the Jets had to play well to, to win today, and they, yeah. and they did. Um, and I'm excited for tomorrow. I'm sure tomorrow's going to be great. A little New Year's Eve, 1, 1 p.m. game. And then um, I know there's Sunday Night Football in Minnesota too, so lots are going to be lots of rowdy fans at the Wild game, and I'm sure the Wild are going to be pretty fired up. So... Um, it should be a, I expect an even better game tomorrow. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, kind of just to, to briefly preview that. So uh, I'm going to be doing the show live with, with Brady tomorrow. We're the two uh, Winnipeg hosts, so it'll be nice to kind of have the the closeout show of the year with the two of us. And maybe we'll we'll talk, take a little trip down memory lane and, and talk about some of the 2023 highlights and often some lowlights too and stuff like that. So that'll that'll be nice. But uh, ahead of that stream and that all that goodness tomorrow, um, what do you think, Ryan, that they need to bring into this game that they continued with today or that wasn't there today that needs to be there in order to, to make sure that this game is won tomorrow? I think that the Jets need to really focus on, like, just don't be satisfied with one, right? Like, another huge division game. You got to just forget this one, forget what happened. You know it's going to be intense. You just got to dial in. I know we have lots of players from Minnesota, and sometimes they look great in front of their family, and sometimes it looks like they're just there visiting. So we can't show up tomorrow um, just for a family visit over the holidays. Jets got to show up right away. Um, I guess Fleury will probably be starting for the Wild and Brassois for us. So um, interesting goalie matchup with Fleury getting warmed up a little bit today. Um, expected to be a good one, low scoring. Um, yeah, Jets just need to, to make sure they're ready at the start because the Wild are going to be fired up and the, the fans are going to be fired up there on, on New Year's Eve. So um, it should be a good one, very physical. I, I expect the first period fight. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> and, then, and then a lot more scrums throughout. So, um, yeah, just hopefully they get there quickly tonight. Get some good rest and ready to go for tomorrow. Get one more win in 2023. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, they have an important stretch of games coming up to try and solidify some some good positioning going into the All-Star break. Um, echo all of that, but I think another big piece of tomorrow is going to be um, keeping it super tidy, uh, which maybe doesn't always go against, uh, you know, physical game. You could play a physical but tidy game as well. So I'm expecting that because you don't want penalties in that game i'm sorry on either side you just don't want penalties play as much of that game as you can on five on five and i think they'll be in okay shape um and also play the colbert penny line that that's my um you know piece of advice to the winnipeg jets going into that game tomorrow um i also think that um it'll be interesting to see how things differ with the the home ice advantage shifting because uh tonight we had lowry against the joel erickson line for the most part i keep saying tonight it's 4 p.m um which is what i like i don't like it when the shifley line gets matched up against um the the top line um but even still we had the shifley line not having to play against joel erickson and, and matt boldy and all that and they still didn't do a whole ton so it'll be interesting to see if the if the shift if there's a shift in how the lines are matched up against each other and if it brings more out of certain lines than others on either side. Um, So yeah, I think that kind of wraps up what we wanted to talk about today. Um, There's a really short turnaround between now and tomorrow's game, so it'll be interesting to see what the Jets kind of take out of this one and hopefully, like you said, forget about it, it's over, it happened, uh, and move on and win the next one like nothing happened. So um, thank you to everyone for being here in the chat, for listening live. We really appreciate you guys being here. We got some Jets fans, got some Wild fans. We always appreciate everyone coming in and sharing their thoughts in the chat. Um, We'll be back here tomorrow, so make sure you tune in again. We'll have maybe the same crew again. You guys will all see each other because it's the same teams. Um, these back-to-backs are always kind of fun because uh, you get to kind of have a little bit of a bigger sample to see uh, how the best fare against the best. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, for joining in. And if you're listening live back tomorrow morning uh, or whenever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate the support as always. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Liz Hoods. That's L-Y-S-S-H-O-U-D-E. On there, I just tweet a lot about the Jets, also sometimes about the Dolphins, but really just talking about kind of everything there is to talk about with the Jets and also a lot of sports analytics and all that good stuff. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, my Twitter is um, YoungGun001, so um, kind of classic high school name that I haven't been <laughs> able to t- live down or change. So, um, yeah, I don't tweet as much as Alyssa, but I am very involved, and um, I like reading through all the Jets tweets and everything, and I'm um, more of a reader than a, than a writer, I would say, on Twitter, but 
I um, wish that were me. Yeah, I'd just uh, be yapping. <laughs> that's what I like to read all the time. So, no, that's great. Yeah, YoungGun001 is my handle there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Ryan. It's been super fun. And Brady and I will be back tomorrow, so make sure you guys tune in. And if uh, you know, you're a Minnesota Wild fan who's here, if your team's ever playing against any of the other Canadian markets, we have uh, Game Over streams for all seven Canadian markets with some amazing hosts across the board. We also have some fun uh, World Junior streams going on right now in collaboration with Elite Prospects, so make sure you check those out and everything else we have to offer at SDPN. Make sure you like the stream on your way out and hit subscribe. We're almost at 100,000 subscribers, so it'd be really nice to hit that milestone really early in 2024. So, dear part you can say you were there then so thank you so much everyone and we'll see you next time Thanks.